These chairs are too damn comfortable, Kev. <laughs> they are comfortable. All right, welcome to the second episode of the Kevin B. Green Show. Once again, joined by Phil here. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Welcome back, guys. So after our awesome first episode about adult basic income, <laughs> universal basic dividends, name still questionable, as we've talked about in the last one. Hit us up, my guys. We need a good name for this <laughs> shit. So, um, anyway, let's jump right in. So, this thing I told you about, the hypnotism thing before. Yeah, I don't remember. You must have hypnotized mm. me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know how to do it yet. But one day. One day. So, basically they noticed, uh, this was like back in New York in like the 50s, I think. Okay. It's when there was like one, like, you know, there's the New York Times. Everyone's reading the same, same newspaper. Mm. So what they noticed was, after there was a suicide, like on the front page, after there was a suicide that everyone saw, suicide rate, plane crashes, and car crashes all went up immediately after. They all spiked. And it's like, okay, like people... By how much? That's crazy. Noticeably. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, I mean, in a big city, it's probably not like something you're going to be like, holy shit, but like... There's planes crashing yeah, everywhere. But like, but... it goes up enough to the point that it's like significant. Yeah. So then it gets even crazier. Then if you look specifically at the new increase, you'll find that there is an another jump if you look at people that have a similarity in appearance to the person that killed themselves. If so, their picture was published. Yeah. So yeah. if a person that looks a lot... So if you're there and you see your pilot read the New York Times and they look just like the person that just killed themselves, you know that your likelihood to die in that plane crash goes up like a noticeable percentage if you're the pilot if you're on the plane wait what because the pilot crashes the plane because they want to they, they so because when you see someone the more you resemble someone who commits suicide yeah the more forcefully you're given the suggest the more you think about you dying okay so a small percentage of the people that are forced to imagine themselves killing themselves say yes so a small percentage of the people that encounter that will almost always say yes. Someone will. But how do they say yes if it's not, if they're in a plane crash? Well, so what, what's happening is what they theorize is that it's people that have like a moral aversion to suicide. Okay. But have accepted saying yes to the idea of them dying. So they crash the plane as a roundabout method. So car crashes and plane crashes go up, not just intentionally. Like, act, like people accidentally, people kill themselves in a way that doesn't look like suicide. Okay, see, what I thought you meant was that if you were on the plane piloted by some third party, that you as a passenger on that plane would be more likely to die if you looked like them than if you didn't. No, no. The, no. The, the pilot is more likely to crash their plane. And I was like, I guess you're just more likely to die in the plane crash if you have less will to live <laughs> because you've been hypnotically suggested that you should die. Mm -hmm. But yeah. so it's the pilot. It's the pilot that has to look like the yeah yeah. If you see your pilot reading the newspaper, victim. looking at someone who's like looks just like them. Also, after big boxing matches, they notice that homicide and violence rates for people that look like the boxer who just got knocked out. Like if there's a big knockout in a big boxing match, yeah, there's a homicide spike. But against you, people who look like the... well, just in general, because people are more prone to violence after a big sure. culturally violent moment. Yeah. But if you get into it, there's a disproportionate increase in violence against people that look like the boxer. Because once again, some people who look like the the, the boxer as well. I, I, I they didn't say that. Yeah. But I would okay. imagine there would be a some quantity of significance there, but they didn't get into that. But I okay. feel like it's possible that could be true also. Sure. But yeah, so it's like if you're watching someone get knocked out, like in a huge fight that looks like you, you know your likely of getting assaulted slightly goes up. 
And it's not just random? This has been has this been reproduced, do you know? Or? You can't reproduce it anymore very well. No. Because our media is too bloated. This right. was when they had a single stream. Mm-hmm. I found this in like a stage encyclopedia for hypnotism from like the nineteen fifties. Okay. So yeah. it's it's an it's not re, it's not really <laughs> reproducible research because how are you gonna measure how are you gonna measure who well you could, but it would be so inaccurate. Unless you really like it would have to be a pretty significant cultural event for you to be able to measure it now because there's so much noise. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's hundreds and hundreds of news articles yeah. that people are seeing daily. And you can't just assume that everyone read the same one. Like, back no. then, you could just assume that everyone read or saw the New York Times. You're walking down the street, you see the cover of the New York yeah. Times for sale. You see it passing by. You look, oh, cover says this today, maybe I'll buy one. So it's like, everyone was reading it, so they could measure what we can't measure now. But, yeah, people are more likely... Because, yeah, so it's like, every time you see a sign, even if you see a sign that says, how's your day going? Like, that's a hypnotic suggestion. It's forcing you to say yes or no. It's like, you could have been in a superposition until then. Yeah. It's like, you have to pick yes or no. So when you see someone look like you killed themselves, it really forces you to say yes or no. And most people are like, oh, I'm not going to do that. But some people, they just subconsciously say yes, and they crash planes and cars. To avoid, like, consciously uh, dealing with the fact that they're committing suicide. Also, that is that is wacky, man. That's all. So it's all. So psychologists are trying to figure it out. And then in that hypnotism book, this the guy who wrote it just threw it in as like a tidbit, just like, oh, by the way, like they've been trying to figure out this answer. Well, it's it's hypnotism. Okay. So it's like. I mean, I haven't really Googled it, but I feel like it's like pretty like <laughs> random. I haven't checked my sources. It's, it came out of a hypnosis encyclopedia but yeah probably true i mean we're talking about it mm-hmm. <laughs> a really random thing to lie about so i'm just gonna trust it here maybe i'll google it i'm sure someone someone fact check it in a, in a year when all of my podcast videos blow up like Look, someone will I'm, I'm gonna be overwhelmed with comments about it <laughs> i mean or in like two weeks when it blows up either way if it's not true <laughs> and i mean this is a slippery slope to go down but it's like if it's not true it is still true that like what you see in the media and like the news mm-hmm. will su- is suggestive you yeah. know like y- your brain can't help but play out scenarios if it sees like you your brain is just going to fill in the blanks of scenarios and play out these things subconsciously just because it's been prompted it's like okay here's a suicide looks like you so it's like well that fits a narrative of mm-hmm. you killing yourself it's like mm-hmm. sure and if you're playing that out subconsciously, that is going to have effects that, like, propagate upward to your mm-hmm. actions that you might not know where they come from. And, and, like, I would expect that a lot of people who get into car crashes because of hypnotic suggestion in this fashion aren't doing it because they, oh, like, oh, I'm going to crash my car now. But even mm-hmm. even just, like, being less careful. or Yeah, like, in the plane crashes, like, the common cause they noticed was just, like, forgetting to put out the landing wheels. Hmm. So it's not like... Right, it's, it's not just like they like, were like up at cruising yeah, altitude and, and they decided just dropped. The nose died. It's the pilot, the pilot who's responsible for putting out the the landing wheels. Just forgets. Just doesn't, or even just does it late. Yeah. And then, done. Damn. Yeah, they just like, yeah, it's like they intentionally make a mistake. Hmm. And then there's the people who actually do go and commit suicide. Yeah, there are like just a general jump in suicides. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's like less wild. Well that just makes me that that just makes me wonder about like 
And I know, I know we were kind of saying we might not get political, but it, it makes me wonder about like, uh, violence and crime and mm-hmm. how like, you know, uh, for example, like police brutality, it's like if the media is constantly seen, like showing these scenes oh, of police small brutality, the police will, immediately will become, say yes. and they'll become more brutal. Yeah. If you tell that cops, image is just out there. Yeah. If you tell cops that, that they're violent, they'll become more violent. Yeah. Like people will become like, and even if it's only 1% of the cops, like if you say that all cops are murderers, like a small percentage of those cops might have otherwise not been murderers, but only through hypnotic suggestion saying, oh yeah, we are murderers. Like even subconsciously. Yeah. Like those words will never cross their mind. No. But subconsciously they say, yeah, like we do that. And then they become someone who does that. It's pretty mm. problematic in that regard. And it's also just politically problematic. Like, I find it interesting that hypnosis is one category that universities kind of seem to be like, no, it's not real. Well, it's kind of like, like I don't, it's treated like a pseudoscience. But it shouldn't be. I guess, well, because it has, from my understanding, like, it is reproducible. Oh, yeah. And it's... it's... And uh, so there's a couple of main points that people make about hypnosis that seem to be flawed. One, you can't make anyone do something they don't want to do. And two, you can't force someone to become hypnotized. Both of those things are kind of like gray areas. Mm. This So um, the thing you can't force someone to be hypnotized, not everyone has the willpower to resist hypnosis. And also, in that same encyclopedia, he was just like, I feel like I shouldn't say this because it's like not healthy practice for a hypnotist. But back in the day, they don't do this anymore because it's too risky. But back in the day when like people could get away with more shit, you know, imagine you're a Vegas hypnotist, you're putting on a show, everyone knows it's like a show, but then there's that one drunk dude that's like, gets up on stage, he's like, you can't hypnotize me! Yeah. You know? So what they do... They have a trick? Not really a trick, it's basically just assault. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, they say, okay, you don't think I can hypnotize you? Watch. And I can't remember all the steps, but okay. it involves putting your hands under their ribs and saying, I want you to breathe out, and or breathe in and breathe out. And at some point in the process... When they're trying, when they exhale all the air, you just pl- apply as much pressure up, like a snake, stopping them from breathing in, and you just don't let them inhale oxygen, and you start choking them out from the rib cage, while whispering hypnotic suggestions into their ear. And as they start falling asleep, they become hypnotized. So you can like forcefully hypnotize people, right? Because they're going to become more suggestible mm-hmm. as they lose as they start, and you, just before they completely pass out, or even after they pass out, they'll wake up hypnotized a lot of times. If you know what you're doing. And will the crowd know what's happening? I wonder. No, because like th- I think that's why they used to choke them out at the rib cage, not the neck. If you just choke someone out, it's like... Hey, yeah, if you just put them in a headlock, it's like... Yeah. Uh... But if it's like, now I want you to breathe in and out, they don't know that they can't breathe. Huh. So they choke them out from the rib cage and hypnotize them, apparently. So Damn, so... It's like, yeah, like when you're like, you can't hypnotize me, it's like, well, if someone who knows what they're doing takes you somewhere private, yeah. Yeah. And, well, I know they did a lot of, like, research with, like, uh, psychedelics and hypnotism mm-hmm. back in the day, too. So, it's like, you change someone's state of consciousness, either by pa- making them pass out, slip into, like, a dream state, or you just give them psychedelics, mm-hmm. then it's like, well, now they're just your puppet. And then... Even uh, if they, they normally, under sober standard conditions, would have had the willpower to, like, you know, not be hypnotized. Mm-hmm. And then the second point I was talking about, they say, like, you can't make a hypnotized person do something they don't want to do. Yeah, because like we have like very strong like moral frameworks, hmm. and any hypnotism that doesn't fall into that moral framework gets like rejected. But that doesn't mean our moral frameworks are unbreakable. Hmm. Like a really like extreme way that this is done 
is like with child soldiers specifically i think in like african war tribes okay. what they do is they blindfold them they put an ak-47 in their hands and they say if you don't pull the trigger we'll kill you or something along those lines right they make the kid pull the trigger with a blindfold on right. not knowing that their family are in front of them jesus so what happens is they pull the trigger like because they're morally willing to say yes i will pull the trigger of a gun they're right. not going to kill their family Right, because they don't know what the outcome of their actions yeah. are. So it's like when put in a scary situation, all they have to do is squeeze their finger, blindfold comes off, family's dead. Is that hypnotism though? Uh, it's a form of like suggestion. Right, like if I just like, it, it's like waking hypnotism in a sense. It all falls, this is the thing. This is why they should be teaching hypnotism in psychology classes. Mm. Because like so much of what we don't admit is hypnotism falls under the umbrella of hypnotism. Right. It's like that was a suggestion. Because you don't have to take someone... The reason hypnotists take people down to full sonambulism is just because that's our most suggestible state. Okay. That's when we're most likely to say yes to things. And it's a very submissive thing that you give someone that power over you. Yeah. But we're always somewhere fluctuating in sonambulism. Like, people say things to you and you say yes or no. It's just people... They lower your defenses to make you more suggestible. Like, suggestibility is just an ever-present factor. Right. And it's like... And yeah, like, whether it's you're just volunteering it or it's coerced with like threat of violence or just manipulation yeah so it's like then what you have is a child who would never kill their family but they just did so now what won't they do anymore right it's like well the fact that they did that is going to suggest to them that they're the kind of person who would be willing to do awful things and it's going to break their moral Mm -hmm. framework yeah it's like they're they're trying to square the fact that they just did that Mm mm-hmm with their other their their previous understanding of their capabilities and mm-hmm. that's just never going to fit. No. And so you've just completely shattered. Yeah, you shatter it and then when you tell them to kill, they kill. Yeah. Right? They grow up to be people that will like so that's like one thing it's like you can't force me to do anything. It's like, well, no, you're right, you can't. But they can send like specific I think this is going to be a big problem with like AI and advertising. Like they can target people who are vulnerable with ads. And you'll never know what ads other people are seeing. Mm. But it's like suggestion, suggestion, hammering away. It's like, who clicks on it? If they click on it, keep sending them more because they were that intrigued. And you can just like radicalize people and turn people into terrorists over social media without anyone knowing. Yeah, well, that kind of stuff's definitely already happening. But this is hypnosis. It all falls under the category of hypnosis and suggestion. It's pretty broad, but... But hypnosis is a broad topic. Yeah. People, like, put it in this little box of go to sleep. This one stage trick where it's like, yeah, yeah we're gonna... But the, the whole go to sleep thing is simply just a method of working with someone for them to lower their guard. Mm. So you have more direct access. But, mm. like, even general, like, social skills, a lot of, like, things like that, it's just, like, will people say yes to your suggestions? If you say we should do this, well, are people gonna say yes or no? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that all falls... Like, hypnosis... Yes. Yeah. It, it falls <laughs> yeah. under such a broad category. And it's like, something interesting. If you like... So in hypnosis, like, in order to best hypnotize somebody, you want to repeat yourself over and over again. Right? And you want to say it as simply as possible. And when I was reading about hypnosis, there was one thing I couldn't, like, help notice. It's like, if you were being hypnotized, it's like... You know, you're feeling sleepy, your eyes are closed, your eyes have never been so closed. <laughs> you got the best closed your eyes. Your eyes are so closed, they could never <laughs> open again. But what if you're just like on stage, like, your eyes are so closed, you know? <laughs> like, you've never felt it like this before. And you just went on. 
And if you just compare like Trump's vocal patterns yeah, just to hypnotism, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually like one to one, except the only difference is a hypnotist is trying to lull you asleep and Trump's trying to get you to, you know, cheer. Yeah. So it's like high energy. It's it's like Yeah, well good good like that's why we call people like charismatic, right? Is because mm-hmm. they know how to like suggest things to us and it like it almost makes the idea seem like it's coming from yourself mm-hmm. right it's like if, if if a politician that you find charismatic is saying something and inspiring you to a cause it's like mm-hmm. the, you might feel like the idea is coming from you because you're just like yeah i want to do that yeah yeah but like another thing is like so something they do in hypnosis a lot is like there's one common deepener where like once you're kind of like asleep the hypnotist puts their hands over your eyes and says, open them, and when my hand goes down, close them again. So you, it's like, open, close. And every time they do that, they take you deeper and deeper. Hmm. So if you say, this is a problem. If you say, hey, we have a problem with X in our society. People might hear that and go, yeah. But if you say it six times, people are going to be like, fuck yeah. Hmm. Like, there's a point of diminishing return. Oh, but, of course. But it's around four to six, I think. I mean, I'm not like an expert in hypnotism. Yeah, but where'd, like, you, where'd you get this number? Encyclopedia um, or? A couple sources, uh, a couple different places where they're talking about like the Elman induction, which is like one of the more famous inductions. The Elman induction? Elman. It's named after a person. Okay. Elman. I think I'm saying that right. I only, uh, I read it more than I heard it spoken. Elman. El- yeah. The Elman induction. So basically that's like, and like in. So wait, yeah, what is the Elman induction? I couldn't recite it off by heart. It involves. Um, and induction is just like. Into somnambulism. Yeah, yeah, so like the you are getting sleepier, hand yeah. moving thing is all a form of induction. Induction is to get you to the point where you're easily suggestible, and yeah. then they start making suggestions. Okay, um, but yeah, it involves a couple other things. I I don't know if I could recite it well enough to like really try and go through it yeah, right now. Enough. But I, I've yeah, I've, it's the one I've looked at the most. But I haven't really played around with actually hypnotizing people, just in- researching it because it's like okay. fascinating. Um, I don't believe you for the record. What? I think you're hypnotizing me right now. So <laughs> like, I don't know, man. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's a lie. Yeah. Just look, look, I just can't tell now. Mm-hmm. My, my whole... Everything's called into question. Yeah, you tell so... me you're gonna you're into hypnotism? Well, now I just can't trust anything <laughs> you're going to say. But there's no way you can hypnotize me. That's for sure. And I'm not going to breathe <laughs> what, while you're holding my ribs, man. <laughs> Um, so something like, so also on this topic, it's like, so you can hypnotize someone like theoretically into like a closed loop thought in a sense. So it's like, and I mean, I'm kind of like making these, like these, like I'm trying to explain my thoughts. I don't think this is like an official like term. Okay. But like. So so all you pro hypnotists out there. Yeah, don't, don't, don't don't flame me. I'm just, I'm trying my best. He's just an amateur here. I'm an amateur. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so it's like a closed loop and you see this a lot in like politics with like, especially, I think the simplest example is like people that believe what we believe are smart. You know what I mean? And if you can ex- get people to accept that or like something used like more specifically by like left wing politics, it's like people who believe what we believe are open-minded. Hmm. And it's like, you no longer have to like think about your opponent's opinions because if they disagree with you, it's because they don't understand, or because they're closed-minded, or because this or that, or be- like there's all these reasons. Mm-hmm. It's like we're this, and anyone who disagrees with us isn't. Sure. And it causes like this, like so. I, I think the irony of specifically saying we're smart and we're open-minded is kind of like humorous, because like you tell someone you're. Well, open-minded. it's like saying you're humble. Yeah. So like humility would preclude you from suggesting that. 
Mm-hmm. But well, maybe it's not quite the same. Not not exactly because open mindedness, you're open to new ideas. But then you're told because you believe what you believe, then you're open minded. So then you close yourself to new ideas, or because like you know, the the mm. path to like higher intelligence is in learning new ideas. So you're told because you believe what you believe, you're smart. Like we're the smart people. The smart people believe this. Yeah. And then it's like you close yourself off to new ideas. And it's like a hypnotic suggestion that people accept. And it's like so unbreakable. Because what do you say to that? Once they've accepted that, oh, you disagree with me because you're closed-minded. You disagree with me because you're not as smart. Once someone accepts that, that loop just never ends. It has no end or beginning. How is it a loop? I mean, that's just like how I imagine it. Well, it's kind of tied together, I guess. Yeah. It's Like once they get into that thought... Yeah, it's like a... It doesn't uh, veer. There's no way to no. add new it's, input. It's a convergence. Yeah. yeah. It's, there's no new input coming in. It's just like, I'm open-minded. This doesn't fit in my mind because they're closed-minded. And it just... There's no new information getting into their minds mm. on that topic. Any suge- like any hypnotic suggestion that's been covered by this like protective barrier. Yeah. It's like nothing can penetrate it except for something that starts within. Like a self-awareness that is born from hay now and like grows from out of it. So they're like completely impenetrable on all these topics because hypnotic suggestions like that. So would you would you think that like most like opinions are like that though, or is it like like what the specific form? Yeah, of the every opinion, opinion is something that you once said yes or no to. Yeah, it's like you've like you heard that but and you're it, like. But some opinions don't necessarily come with the 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 side of it that says like if you disagree with this, then you're closed minded. No, but some like. Those opinions, but I feel like a lot of them do have this like defense yeah. mechanism where because like the from the ideas point of view, like it just wants to get in your brain, mm-hmm. stay there and reproduce. Yeah, like it doesn't want new ideas to come fill its niche. Mm-hmm. So like it's adaptive for an idea to have some kind of mimetic protection. Yeah, like that. Where, yeah, and... where but but it's also kind of psychotic because mm-hmm. you can't break out of it. Yeah, so you just get lost in your pattern of thought and behavior. Mm-hmm. And but I don't even necessarily think ideas like that are inherently bad. No, not necessarily. Like I think, like if if you have you, they can be framed positively or negatively. Yeah. Like I think, like like there's a form of happiness that exists in the same way, like a closed loop protection, like does not let self awareness or new ideas in that contradict it contradict the happiness they contradict the happiness in a sense but it's like it also like you as long as you maintain the rationality to like recognize when an outside idea because it's like if something's gonna kill you it's gonna contradict your happiness because you're not gonna be alive anymore so it's like well yeah i mean the things that unless you have happiness in the afterlife maybe but that's that's another but that, that well that's where my mind's going immediately when you bring up the idea of a happiness that's like safeguarded from external inputs Mm -hmm. it's like i I think that like a lot of what people do with like religious belief and like is this idea that wherever you go whatever things change whatever new information may come your way like if you really believe in like your god or the afterlife Mm -hmm. or some of these like you know they're beyond physical things they're like supernatural things i guess but Mm -hmm specifically like god and and stuff it's like you can have that no matter what's going on as long as you don't allow something to subtly enter in and and break your belief yeah right Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, beliefs, so beliefs like that are pretty important. Let's see, I want to just double check the videos on. Oh my god, that'd be so funny. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I didn't check it before we started. I clicked play, but I should have double checked it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but like beliefs like that are pretty impenetrable. Yeah. For better or worse. Well, and I was I was listening to, um, there's a Canadian psychologist, John Bernanke. Yeah. He did a podcast called The um, Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. Yeah. And he talks about this idea where, I think he calls it like... Um, I cannot remember what it's called for the life of me. But anyway, it's a mm-hmm. cool idea. Basically, like, the reason that religions succeeded in large part is because it allowed people to have something to ground themselves mm-hmm. and something to give them, like, a sense of, like, home and belonging when, even when everything in the external world was just poverty and suffering. So, like, if you believe in God and you believe that he has your back no matter what, then, you know, your family, it's like the story of Job, right? It's like your family can die, you can lose your job, like, floods, pestilence, plague can all occur and you can be rotting in the ground dying and still be like well i still got god and Mm. this is specifically borne out in like the fact that like if you put someone in solitary confinement and they're not religious Mm -hmm. they go completely mental Mm -hmm. whereas like very religious people like strongly religious types can survive much longer in solitary confinement Mm -hmm. because they can just retreat into prayer and into their belief system and they can just find a sense of like psychological home and grounding in that idea. Mm-hmm. And so like that's what like that's partially why the idea is adaptive for mm-hmm. a for a society or for like an, an organism anyway. Yeah. So mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's kind of the same kind of loop. It's like Yeah, you don't let anything you don't in that let anything in. And it's it's just always there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And, and But if it's robust enough, you can actually have a sense of, like, psychological identity mm-hmm. wrapped up in it as well, which is kind of what you're seeing also happening with a lot of, like, political movements. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that you see the intersection of, like, well, the influence of, like, identity politics, right? It's like, well, if my politics are my identity, then I'll always have it. So my politics must be, like, correct because they're, like, eternal because they're my identity and I have them wrapped up in this way that's akin to what religions were doing with their ideas of... of the divine mm-hmm. and i know i know a lot of people are talking about how like the, the the radical left is like religious in a sense like a lot of the things that are happening like the with the the movements like like blm antifa and stuff not to say anything bad about it but like a lot of the fervor behind it almost does like mirror mm-hmm. like well, religious groups i think the thing is the idea that a person could be non-religious and functional now, I mean, religious might not be the right word, but for a person to lack faith or unity or, like, a group identity... Yeah. For a person to lack a cult... Yeah. Like, it's almost incapable that we can function without Yeah, I, I'm, I'm heavily leaning towards it's not. Not like, possible I think, to function without yeah, a cult. Yeah. So, it's like, the and people I, that rebel on religion need something. Yeah. And so, it's like, the political ideologies become religion. The academia becomes religion. Yeah. And it's no longer about the truth and the science. It's no longer about like, actual political improvement so much as it is about, like, a culture and, like, a belief system yeah. and a unity and a group. Yeah. Feeling safe in numbers. Yeah. And I think that, like, you know, obviously there's a huge, huge rise of atheism in the last, like, mm-hmm. you know, 100 years, especially the last, like, you know, the closer you get to now, the more the rise has The thing been that I find funny about atheism is that it's, like, it, it doesn't answer any questions still. It's like pure ignorance in a sense. Like, it's like, okay, we know enough about science to say that we can accurately put back the story of creation a few billion years. 
arguably. Of like, the Earth? Well, the Earth is, like, the, I think 5 to 7 million years old. Just the creation that. of everything. Well, like, yeah, we it's can like, push it's like 13 million. That, yeah, we can push yeah. that back 13 billion years, so now you've disproved creation. It's like, no, you have... It's like, an atheist really just means you don't have an opinion on an origin. Well, I mean, yeah, this... Well, yeah. Not because, to get like, too bogged down in, like, the semantics, but atheist just means you don't believe that there's, an, like, an omniscient being that started stuff right well i mean the laws of physics it's hard to view them not as like thinking i mean thoughts are really uh, just like forms of computations yeah and well yeah but you don't have to assign necessarily any agency to the laws of physics whereas like theists generally assume there's at least some like agency to god like, some theists don't think that God has, like, a contemporary role in the unfolding of the universe. Like, some people think he just sets it up, right? Like, God created stuff. And some people think he had a role, and he was performing miracles, and he had a son. And then he stopped intervening. And, like, some people think even to this day he's intervening in the, in the like, with his angels and, and all kinds of stuff. But an atheist says, no, there was never any divine supernatural agency to begin with. Mm -hmm. right and i mean that's a bit of a steel man because but there's a lot more to it right but i don't know if there is that much more to it though like there are systems computing all of our functions it's like there are laws that are dictating all of these things and to like to assign agency or not agency to something of that caliber is kind of just it seems i mean to me that seems very semantic is like to talk about whether or not it's doing it for a reason or just because it is what it is. Like yeah. things do what they do. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, you get to the whole point where it's like, yeah. Where do you even draw the line at agency? Like, are we even agents? Really? Like, you could look at it scientifically and say, like, no, we're just collections of particles. Excuse me, collections of particles that are just behaving deterministically or up to a limit deterministically, right? And could, in principle, be computed. Um, but to say that, like, there's just laws that compute everything in the universe, it's like, we don't really know, like, if there is a fundamental description in terms of laws of everything. Like, there might not be a way of formulating everything that's going on in physics in a set of, in a finite set of laws, Mm -hmm. or even in, like, a, in an infinite set that is categorizable in any way. Like, it might just be, like, we'll never fully narrow it down, right? Mm -hmm. And that would kind of throw a wrench in things a little bit if there was just never going to be like a finite description of, of reality. But even then, you could still be an atheist because you could just say like, oh, it is what it is. And there's no, there's no, there's no, I just think the line no that's being, being outside drawn, of being like, well, it's just like, it's, I feel like there's this like thing that's happening where like almost like the separation of like science and art the separation of like logic and emotions like the separations of these two separate ideas that are like independently existing with this barrier drawn between them and the primary barrier separating like all of the different ideologies seems to simply be whether or not the ruling principles of our universe have agency or not but agency is not even a definable term no. So it's like all the arguments come down to this indefinable point that doesn't need to exist. 
Right. It's like the center of this whole mess of bullshit happening in our yeah. culture is like. But then a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to the fact that people who oppose like the specific, like the, the Christians will have a specific idea of what God is mm-hmm. or wants or has done. Whereas an atheist is going to say like, I don't know. I'm just going to examine the world as it is. Mm-hmm. Scientifically, most of them are scientific. At least yeah. when asked, right? So it's like, that is understandable because like a Christian who's like very by the books is going to say like, no, yeah, like the world was created in seven days. That's objectively false, mm-hmm. right? But there is maybe some some kind of truth to it metaphorically or, or symbolically or whatever, right? But I mean, there, but there doesn't even have to be. Like some of it is very true like metaphorically yeah. like not all of it is like because like it, people encountered like psychedelic experiences i think and they like i think they encountered like different pieces of knowledge and they had to spin these together and it seems to be that every religion every culture encountered the same pieces of knowledge the only difference is how they spun it together so it's like there's a lot of like stuff that's just like lore and mm-hmm. like mythology of trying to figure out how these two things happen simultaneously. But like, I think a lot of the, like, and then on top of that, like, people in power used religion as laws. Yeah, well, they used it to hypnotically suggest mm-hmm. correct behavior. But, yeah, so it's like they increased the quality of their society by making it a religious taboo to do certain things. Yeah. So it's like everyone got together and worked better because everyone was monogamous because that's what God wanted. So everyone wasn't jealous or angry that it's like, oh, I didn't, you know, there's no intimate feelings on the line. Everyone's these close-knit groups that don't step on each other's toes. Or, yeah, at least to more of a degree. Yeah. Like, you know, there's obviously still problems. Like, not everyone just was like, oh, okay, now we got the Bible, we're good to go. But, yeah, like, it did... But the more devout the community was, oftentimes, in certain ways, it did go that way. Yeah, well, you wouldn't see, like, the proliferation of these religions if they weren't adapted. No. Right? Like, they're at least good enough to reproduce themselves, and a lot of cultural advancement could could be tied to, like, religion. I, I mean, mean mo- like, there's a period where I think it's all of it. Yeah. It's well, like, like, would you even, like, I- I'm wondering, like, to what extent you would even get, like, literacy or writing without religion. Without religion. Like, you'd get it from, from accounting. You'd get it from people, like, doing transactions. But, like, a lot of... Actually, I don't even know, because a lot of this stuff was orally transmitted as well. Yeah. And and this is the thing about it being, like, mythology, is that, like, it was transmitted at a time when, like, facts didn't have any real physical manifestation. Yeah. Right? So, like, you know, we say now that it's like, oh, well, it's clear that, like, certain stories in the Bible are just mythological in nature because they can't have actually happened. But this is at a time before people had written word. And so if something happened, the only way you know about it happening is if someone tells you about it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the, the distinction between, like, myth and fact like didn't exist yeah right so this and this is this becomes a problem because then people are like well i'm going to take the bible hyper literally mm-hmm. because at in its time there was no distinction between myth and fact so it's it was treated literally but mm-hmm. you have to think that like we only really have the ability to make the distinction between literal and figurative after we've become a post-literate society mm-hmm. because like you talk to a kid who doesn't know how to read yet and you try to explain to them the difference between figurative and literal language and they're going to have no idea what you're talking about, right? And, like, I've, 
like I'm pretty sure that if you didn't know how to read or write, that you would have a difficult time, even if you were in modern times, you would have a difficult time knowing the difference between literal yeah. and figurative speech. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, back to the topic. Do you have anything else you want to say on this topic? No. Okay. Um, yeah, I've kind of run dry here too. Back to the topic of people in solitary confinement. Yeah. Um, so like religious people, I have a funny feeling that if you could isolate a specific type of religious and spiritual person, they would fear better than all the other religious people. Yeah. And I think that type would probably be people that didn't really have any specific beliefs, but were just interested, were interested in their own consciousness and just simply the aspect of self-improvement. Because that is like an endless road. And it's like, I think people... Yeah, that that's a very like meditative yeah yeah like i think like the meditative religions mm. grant even more internal power than yeah the cultural ones but i think the more cult-like religions grant more societal power yeah and like if you're if your whole religious experience is just a, a thing of like cultish worship mm. then like especially if you're literally in a cult and you you worship the leader and then you get put in solitary you're gonna go crazy because you're not going to be able to Mm -hmm. make any devotions to your leader right so that's not going to well, hold you that's not going to hold you as well unless your together. devotion is like through meditation um, well or... like god is an imaginary cult leader you can make devotions to him anytime any place by praying for example. yeah yeah so like not necessarily talking about someone who actually worships a cult leader yeah more just like the more occultic religions like something interesting is so if you look at like judaism christianity and islam there's this, like, to say that you're, like, a Jewish Islamic Christian is, like, there's not many people like that. And they're... Well, yeah, what would that even mean? Well, I mean, there's a saying... You're just, you're just a broad follower of Abraham, like... Well, but there's a saying... Well, they do kind of have, like, differing beliefs on certain things. But it's, like, there's a saying in, um... I can't remember where. I want to say China. But just, like, Eastern, like, Asian countries that... A person should wear a Confucius cap, a Taoist robe, and a uh, Buddha sandals. Mm. It's like, because I have actually a good book, uh, Analytics by Confucius. Okay. I hope I have a good translation on that one. It's, so it's hard to say, It's man. so complicated, yeah. those books. But um, basically, it's just like philosophy of how like to deal with people. Not deal with people, but like how people should best behave. And it's kind of just like, it makes sense why people would want to wear a Confucius hat. It's, like, very, like, be respectful, be a good person, like, but it's not just be a good person. It's, like, it's hard to describe, or maybe I'm just doing a poor job. Yeah, but the, but, but the idea would be that you'd take from these different branches. Yeah. In order to become more, like, yeah. enriched. Yeah, they all have better different spiritual values. life. Yeah. And, like, they're all complete enough in their own sense, in, mm -hmm. the, in the fact that they're, well, they're all garments, right? Yeah. But you gotta wear, you have to have a wardrobe. Mm -hmm. but yeah i don't see how you could really wear judaism islam and christianity yeah because i think they're like cult-like religions versus meditative yeah like you can meditate in many ways but you can only really practice occultism in one way yeah if you're practicing multiple forms of occultism then you're not really in any of them well that would be like you're not devout not, no but like yeah that would be actually a cult that would be like the occult right like, no, it, I think all religions are cults. Are cults? Yeah. Yes, but they're not all a cult. 
like O C C U L T. No, I think they kind of are. Yeah, but like specifically, I mean, like if you're an occultist, you're yeah. gonna be studying your like all religious ideas that are of benefit to you, in order to increase your own occult power. Like you're gonna find like your own magic, and you're gonna practice your own spells, and you're just gonna borrow from what other people have done. Like mm-hmm. the occult tradition is like very self-governed. Like you're the you're the you're the one in charge mm-hmm. in these things. Whereas if you're in a cult, a, a cult, then it's okay. like it's very much more like it's more like you're just taking the information from that cult, right? So like if you're a if you're a Christian, like you're probably not taking spiritual guidance from other religions mm-hmm. because that would be like heathen and it would be a cult like you'd be a witch right yeah. if you're out there like practicing spells and shit like that's witchcraft mm-hmm. right but if you're if your main goal is just to have spiritual or occult power like you're going to be borrowing from everyone mm-hmm. and in a sense like someone who's wearing a confucius hat and like a Taoist robe and zen buddhist shoes like they're kind of drawing on the occult power too it's just that this stuff's a lot more subtle than than some of the western religions like they're a lot more like out there with their like you said they're more cult-like than meditative they're they're more crusady than they are contemplative right yeah but yeah i definitely agree that like the contemplation would definitely be a better safeguard against Mm -hmm. the solitary confinement and I think that's what you find. Like, it's the people who are, like, pretty chill about their religion. I haven't done the studies, though. I just remember reading about this a while yeah. ago. But again, it's 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 a, it's a type of self-hypnosis, I guess. Yeah. I've actually been looking at self-hypnosis a bit. I think I might start, like, replacing all meditation with self-hypnosis. Yeah? So, there's this thing. It's pretty simple. I mean, the video's on YouTube. I can't remember. It's, like, some girl. Her name's bigger than M. I don't know pretty good video it's like a simple self-induction and it's just like about envisioning walking downstairs and after you get good at doing it you can just like basically hypnotize yourself and i feel like it's touching on the same things meditation touches on it's just a little more deliberate Mm. it's like what do you want to meditate for it's like you're better off with this it's like you want to be more like motivated to be healthy you want to be more motivated to like do things that are like productive a bit of self-hypnosis is going to give you quite the kick so what would that entail? You just induce yourself and have suggestions? Basically affirmations. Like affirmations are basically self-hypnotic suggestions you repeat over and over to like beat into yourself. Yeah. It's just better if you actually perform like a self-induction first. Right. Because then you're super suggestible and you can trust yourself so much that like once you really get like get accustomed to the process, you're just going to be like, yeah, I'll just induce myself. Like but, this, but this... you come up with the affirmations beforehand and then go in there, induce yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. But there's other things you can do, like, so this is where hypnosis gets really weird. Well, not really weird, but I mean, I think the thing I talked about earlier is way weirder, actually. The the suicide stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So there's hypnotists that work with, like, dentists and, um, like, pregnant people. So you go into the dentist and they hypnotize you to not feel pain, rather than using anesthetics. And it works. You just don't have awareness of pain. That's crazy. If the hypnotism works, they do it with childbirth, too. Hmm. So this woman was like, yeah, I had a somewhat painful procedure one time and she was comfortable enough with self-hypnosis to be like i won't feel pain Hmm. and then the doctors were like hey like you know people normally freak out a little bit during this how did you do it and she's like well i did self-hypnosis and the doctors and the nurse or i think the nurse is what she said we're like wow like can you help this guy she's like yeah so she hypnotized the guy 
Damn, I'd mm-hmm. like to see that be reproducible because it'd be nice to move away from anesthetics whenever possible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, how would that not have caught on as like a tradition? I guess unless it was tabooed. I mean, it kind of has. Has it? Uh, I mean, like, because hypnotism isn't respected for one thing. Yeah. But like, it is a thing. Like, you can request this. It's just not like it's not the first thing that they. It's not a doctor's not going to recommend it themselves. You have to come and say, "Hey, do you know anyone that could do this for me?" Yeah. Because it's kind of like. Well, it's pretty niche. Most people and are also just okay with the, the doctor's taking a risk on the hypnotist. You know, if they start drilling into you and you don't have anesthetic and the hypnotist didn't work and you start flailing and there's a drill in your mouth. Yeah, okay, that's fair. It's like, I don't think they... Whereas the anesthetic's gonna work every time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I think it's like, with the hypnotist, you have to like, pinch them, it's like, do you feel pain? No, like, go to sleep, don't wake up. I think it's a little... Yeah, I mean, I still think anesthetic's probably like a good standard. Yeah. But like, if you're a little, like, you know, wooey and... Yeah, I just got a little, I got a little excited. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> it's, it's awesome, but like... I mean, it's something amazing to do to yourself. And also, she's like, yeah, I just like the second I get on a plane, I just conk out. Because hmm. she's done a self-hypnotic suggestion of sleep enough times that she can command herself to sleep. With self-hypnotic... It's like, wow. So is, like, narcolepsy uh, related to, like, your... How quick... How easily you can be hypnotized? Do you is know? what? Like, nar- like, narcolepsy? Like, where you just fall asleep really fast? It's it's like a sleep uh, it's like a sleep disorder. It's re- related to like insomnia and epilepsy and stuff. Um, narcolepsy is just where like you can literally be standing still like fall asleep. Uh, I'm just wondering if those types of people would be more suggestible. I don't think so. A group of people that is more suggestible would be people that sleepwalk and sleep talk. Yeah, sleepwalking is a state of somnambulism. Yeah, well that's uh, literally well it somnambulism is literally, yeah. literally. So people that sleepwalk are yeah. yeah. I don't know about narcolepsy. Yeah, I want to say probably not. Because they're just like tired, they're not like. It's not so much tired. No? Often, no. Really? Yeah. What is it? It's a, just a thing where they can just slip into sleep, almost like having a seizure. It's... They can just do it at will. No, no, it's involuntary. Oh yeah, no, I I feel like that's yeah. something different. Yeah. I mean, there might be. There might be. Who knows? Well, I think another thing about hypnosis is like it really would be beneficial to studying mental health. Because there's a lot of shit that people are like, oh, there's this and that. But it's like, what hypnotic suggestions have you accepted throughout your life? Mm. Like, how many things did you say yes to in your life? Like, what are they? Yeah. Like, what? Like, when you were a kid and something scary happened before bed and just in the back of your mind you thought, I'm not sleeping tonight. Mm. Like, how long did that persist? Mm. Like, how many hours of sleep did you lose because you said, I'm not going to sleep? And your brain just forgot tonight. Yeah, personally, so many. Yeah. So many. But it's like that suggestion, it's like, and there's so many things that it's like, or if you just like constructed one of those like closed loop ideas that like protected you from like useless ideas that made you unhappy. Mm. Like thoughts that like aren't benefiting you, but seep into your mind. Like a closed loop that just like keeps all those out. Like how much of mental illness could really be changed just by like changing the way people think. And, like, actually delving into, like, how hypnosis is affecting people and what our culture and what our media are actually doing to the minds of the people rather than just, like, trying to figure out what drugs can suppress the symptoms. Yeah. And it's, like, if you I mean, I feel like this stuff was studied back, like, in the 1900s and late 1800s, though. Like, I know that some of the, like, founding psychoanalysts were interested in hypnotism, but they were also fairly maligned. 
and especially nowadays, are even more maligned. Yeah, they've been pushed away. That yeah. entire field of knowledge has been set adrift. Yeah. And it's like, why? Well, I mean, probably, like, the, the technical answer would probably be like, oh, well, it wasn't scientifically reproducible. Like, a lot of the results of, like, you know, Freud and stuff. It's like, well, you can't reproduce his results, because it was all very specific to, like, the patients he was working with. Now, like, he had bad ideas, too. Like, you know, everyone's got bad ideas. So, but, like, if they're working but, on hypnotism and they say, like, look, we were able to cure this this man's hysteria with hypnotism, it's like, well, we're not going to look at that now because, well, it's been cast aside. Again, I don't know, because I haven't studied much hypnotism at all. Um, But, like, religion has cured quite a lot of people of insanity, of, like, just general issues... It's brought in a lot of people, like, it's clearly, like, these are books that are hypnotizing people into being better versions of themselves. That's basically what a religious text is. Mm. You know, it's like, clearly it works. It is clearly reproducible. Like. Yeah, I, I guess, though, there's, there's a real push to, like, blame a lot of, a lot of people's mental issues on religion, too, though. Like, you hear about, like, Catholic guilt and stuff. Like, well, I mean, those are just because the religions went a little extreme with certain things. A little extreme on the taboo of sex. A little extreme on certain things. Hmm. Like, I think... Because people growing up have this... Yeah, they have this hypnotic suggestion coming from their parents that sex is bad. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. And it's like, yes, 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 because they're children. And they just say yes to the things their parents say most of the time. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, like, they're they're not raising them optimally i would say so yeah there's problems there but like if a person like self dives into like those explorations i think they'll cure a lot of those issues Mm. and it's just like if people actually and i'm not saying we should send people all to like hypnotists to be cured people should really experiment with like clearing their own minds of things they've said yes to yeah. reassessing the things they've said no to and just like practicing like just self-awareness just being aware of your thoughts like so much i think of mental illness just comes down to not actually assessing what's happening oh definitely in people's yeah. minds yeah and like and this is why meditation is so good for yeah. it too right so and i think the vast majority of people that are suffering could probably be maybe not completely cured but benefited from practices like this and then the people that can't, the people that actually have like serious neurological issues, like something seriously wrong with their brain, they're not getting the treatment they deserve because the treatment is centered around the money and the money centered around all the people that are blaming like emotional and spiritual issues on biological issues. Mm. So it's like they're not getting the treatment. We're not learning how to actually treat mental health because we're not acknowledging religion and hypnosis and its effects and like our own belief systems and how they modify our emotions and our reactions. Right, we're just jumping straight to the straight like, to the drugs. So I, we were talking about this earlier. Like I had like a weird thought about astrology, mm. and this kind of plays into this here. So like the the first moment of your birth is like probably the most imprintive and powerful moment of your life, in a sense. Probably because like it's like you're in this warm thing, and everything you've known is this just like warm, wet place. And then all of a sudden there's light, there's people, there's sounds, there's different feelings. And it just all hits you at once. Mm. So it's like, if you have organizations of planets and stars with gravitational and magnetic fields in patterns, 
if those patterns even minorly relate to different thought processes, it could have a very significant effect on the first emotion you ever feel relative to exposure to the world. And that would set you on a completely different train of like, okay, this is the first thing I ever felt. How do I deal with this feeling? How do I deal with that feeling? Like that feeling. It would send you on a completely different trajectory emotionally. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely like a... That is one of the like secular explanations for astrology. Mm -hmm. I've heard that one before in in pretty much the same terms. It's like, yeah, the planets have some microscopic effect on your brain. Mm-hmm. The positions of everything in the universe has some, again, tiny, tiny, tiny effect on your brain. And it's like, well, if there's any patterns to the, to the effects at all, then yeah, they would come out in the wash in terms of people's personalities. Mm-hmm. Right? Because again, yeah, formative moment at birth, your, your kind of whole life is kind of set in motion. Yeah. Like what emotion did you feel in reaction to your birth? Yeah. Is probably heavy, like not heavily, but slightly affected by star positionings, gravitational and magnetic fields. It could be. I mean, that's not my preferred secular explanation for no, astrology. What would no. be? I mean, I think it's more likely if there's any validity to it at all, which I doubt, um, I think it's more likely that it has to do with like seasons and the fact that you were born at like a certain season means that like your formative like years, like when or not years, but like when you're a baby and you're mm-hmm. growing into your childhood like the like if you're born in winter your first experiences are just going to be like cold well really they're going to be warm bundled in a blanket pretty stationary inside hearing people talk mm-hmm. right you're hearing the family talk around the fire for example whereas if you're born in the summer you're going to be out in the park listening to the birds and hearing the trees seeing the trees and like seeing the sky mm-hmm. i think that kind of stuff like the longer term ramifications of when you were born would would it would have a bigger effect on your psychology than just the probably in undetectable effects of the magnets and, and gravity of the stars. Right? But I mean, it's there. Just like every word that's ever been spoken still exists in some form in the air or in the atmosphere. Because it's just all waves moving. But the the interference over distance and time means that like picking out any specific thing is like incredibly complicated so it's like i think picking out specific patterns from the stars picking out in terms of like it affecting your brain in some tangible way it's going to be it's just going to be like a mess so i think that like if you were born even a minute later than someone else like there wouldn't be any correlation between your personalities whereas with astrology it says that like people born in the same lunar cycle have similar psychological traits i just think that that's already such a microscopic effect that all the other differences from everything else in the sky subtly changing would produce pretty much a completely different brain i'm i'm not talking so much about brain development though or anything i'm talking pure like what is the like one of the most significant things in a person's like personality is what is the first emotion they felt yeah but, like, the first emotion you feel is not going to be that modified by season. Because you're probably going to be born somewhere warm regardless. Generally. They're probably going to have you protected away. Like, the birth will probably be performed the same way. Generally, yeah. What I'm, like, what I'm talking about is, like... Because as we build ideas, every idea has to be built off something else. It's like, when you get ideas that are completely disconnected, 
it can like drive you insane unless you solve them, connect them, or just forget them. Yeah. Like, well, I'll never solve that. Well, and this you, is like, yeah, it's like lo- like a Lovecraftian thing. It's mm-hmm. like there's horrors out there that are so foreign and alien that they're all around you, and yet you don't acknowledge them because mm-hmm. in order to acknowledge them, you would have to break your brain. Yeah. So like, who's to say there's not just like some kind of monster over there that's staring mm-hmm. us in the face, but we just forget it? Like you know, like those things in Doctor Who. Do you know the ones? No, I've never seen Doctor Who. Oh, okay. Well, there's aliens that you while you're looking at them, you can remember them, but as soon as you turn around, like you forget that they were there, hmm. and they can like get you to do stuff and shit. Like it's kind of spooky okay. but yeah so it's how did that relate i don't know if that was just a total tangent um so complete so it's like when you're born you have your first emotion your first thought the first way you feel about the world um so it's like you're gonna build from that point yeah that's gonna be like your center it's gonna be your, the seed like the, forever you started from that point and that that primary emotion it's like, how did you feel about that? It's like, that's what you're used to. And that's how you respond to things. And that, it's like going to be a pretty powerful suggestion. Yeah, but how much is that going to be impacted by the positions of the planets and stuff? Like, I just think that the 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 physical me- method for in- influence is so sig- insignificant. That, like, it's it's more important, for example, like, what the specific body temperature of your mother was. And, like, what the specific air pressure was and, like, the humidity. Like, that stuff's going to leave more of an impression on your... Like, that's going to have more of an effect on your first emotions than the stars. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But that's very... I mean, lots of things that affect babies have, like, a very powerful effect. But, like, it wouldn't just be that. Because that would be very, very varying from person to person. To the point where it's almost immeasurable. The, like... Temperature of your mother, things like that. Yeah. But, like, something that is consistent and measurable would be star positions. Yeah, but they're not measurable by your body at the moment of birth. Unless they are, somehow. I mean... That we just don't know. Like, maybe we have... Be- maybe we're more sensitive to, like, magnetic fields than... Than we think than we, we think we are. Like, I'm open to that. I... I just... I, I just am skeptical that the effect would be consistent like because the thing is is like if you look up your star chart mm-hmm. and someone who's born in the hospital at the same time as you in a different room with a different temperature from a different mom like your charts are going to say the same thing about your personalities and that's where i'm like a bit sus because like you're at different positions on the earth and i would think like any slight deviation due to the difference due to the the, the distance away that the stars are or the planets sorry right like any small deviation on earth should produce drastically different personalities at least in my model of how it would how it affect things i don't know would they have to be drastic i would expect them to be i would expect it to be like pretty chaotic i wouldn't expect there to be like these like solid divisions month to month oh i don't think they are solid i think that's why like people well it's it's a spectrum though yeah yeah but i wouldn't even expect it to be a spectrum i would expect it to be like like imagine like there's like imagine there's like four things you could be like four ways you could be mm-hmm. i wouldn't imagine it to be like a quadrant of like red blue green yellow or a spectrum of a rainbow like i would imagine it to be like a bar of red hair and then like a little green and blue like any point if you move one point over you're going to be a, a random color like if you change any of the parameters at all you're going to be in a completely different spot from anywhere on the spectrum is how i would because it's a cha- i would expect it to be a chaotic system because of how minuscule the influence would be from the stars, just because they're so far away. 
So like any small change would would produce a different output. Yeah, but like you can't really boil someone down. Like even if like astrology seems to be consistent with certain people, like you can't like you you still would never be able to boil everyone down to just that. Basically, no. the idea would just be that there would be one like can, there would be a consistency between some people. Hmm. There often seems to be. Yeah, it's hard to say though because like a lot of that too is <laughs> a lot of the astrology like people will say they relate to it and stuff, but a lot of that is also just suggestion. Yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. it's like you know if you're if you're if you're an you're an Aries Taurus cusp, mm. you you probably when you open Coffee News you probably see like both the Aries and the Taurus I don't look thing and you read it and you're <laughs> like oh yeah you know you feel inspiration this would be a good time to like reach mm. out to friends oh I'm not talking about and then it's like oh yeah, yeah. true yeah mm-hmm. well that, the horoscope is kind of like the, I think horoscope is almost pure hypnotism yeah yeah mm. it is well and everything's written so vaguely that mm. you can it's, it's very easy to get into your head that it's like you that, that it's yeah. talking about right i mean that's obvious mm-hmm. but so what what are you specifically talking about then because that's kind of my whole look at astro- astrology is like horoscope and and birth chart like personality i'm, I'm talking about birth, birth chart personality yeah yeah like if you could even slightly modify the first emotion a person feels it would have like massive and very grouping effects on them yeah. it's like if people born around this time were slightly more like this at birth where they experienced like slightly more of a feeling of anything. Hmm. It's like, like how scared are you? If it, if it has the ability to even slightly modify your emotions, it would group people by the month they were born in the first emotional experience. Yeah. That's, that's my main point. Yeah. It's I just mean, like, yeah, I can see the point. I'm just, mm. I, I'm skeptical. I think it's, I think it's more likely to be, long-term effects based on like roughly when you were born well i mean that would play into it too regardless yeah like yeah seasons i'm not gonna say i've never like thought about the seasons thing i just think it's like the seasons thing is kind of like obvious in a way not obvious but like yeah it's just there like your climate affects you people are affected by their climate yeah Mm -hmm. but like just the seed of consciousness thing it's like if it can modify that at all I'm not saying it can, just like if. If the stars have any ability to like any consistency in a slight emotional modification, then it would group children by the day they were born. Or the moment they were born. Maybe, but I yeah, I don't think that's necessary. What do you mean? Well, because if it can affect them at all, like I said, I, I, I would I can see it being chaotic effect, like if it's consistent that like okay if the moon is in this phase then you're gonna have this feeling then sure but if it's i just i imagine the mechanisms for it and and i'm just struggling to see how they would not be like if they were predictable at all i just would think that like astrology would be even more clear and obvious to people but like the fact that we can easily dismiss it as just like a suggestion Mm -hmm. to me makes it seem kind of like improbable anyway well i'm thinking very minor effects yeah like but the 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 minor effects would be like subtle they wouldn't be like specific like yeah no because what i'm saying a minor effect on a baby would be like pretty significant later on yeah but aiming it would be hard 
We're ne- you're never going to get me to budge on this one, for the record. <laughs> like, you're not. <laughs> I, I think no. that Positions of Planets is going to be a chaotic system. Like, it's just too... Well, they don't even really measure the planets that much. It's mostly just the sun. Yeah? I mean, well, sun sign is the For prim- your sun sign is the primary thing, yeah. But everything else is, like, secondary. Moon yeah. sign secondary. Everything else is just, like, small details. Yeah. But they are supposed to be, like, consistent for people who have the same... Like, if you have the same sign for Neptune as someone else, that's supposed to say something about, like, a, a similarity you have. Or it's supposed to interact in other ways with the other signs and produce, like, second and third order effects and stuff. I don't think it's supposed to be nice. I don't know much about that stuff. I just... All I know is that I'm an Aquarius and my moon sign's Gemini. And that I have, like, three other Aquariuses somewhere in my chart. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a... I have a Scorpio. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I looked up a chart once. I'm not even sure exactly when I was born. I'm pretty sure it was 10.30 a.m. Yeah. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. So maybe my whole chart... Maybe I'm a completely different person than I think <laughs> I am. Maybe that's... The, <laughs> Wouldn't that... That be, would explain some stuff. That, all right. Well, people need... They need to find someone who is, like, heavily identifying with Zodiac signs. And they just... But who has been lied to about their birthday. Yeah. And do. then say, okay... So now that you know this is your birthday, how do you feel? And it's like, oh, I actually feel like one of these people. It's like... Yeah, yeah. All my life, I thought I was an Aries. Turns out I was actually born, and I'm I'm a Capricorn. And all my life, I was just like, I'd wear an Aries pride shirt. <laughs> and the day I found out I was a Capricorn, everything in my life started making more sense. Before that point, I think I really had some some serious <laughs> disconnect between like my true self. You know, I never really felt like me. But now, now I can see clearly. Mm-hmm. Capricorn. <laughs> oh god. Mm-hmm. Um astrology checked off the list. <laughs> I'm I'm done on astrology. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I'm can't evening right now. Mm-hmm. What else did you want to talk about? There was something. Oh, uh a couple more tidbits. I'm, I feel like it's probably getting pretty far with me. It's getting pretty We're we're past an hour. Yeah. So how, what about you? How you feeling? Call it pretty soon? Oh, I'm down. I mean, yeah, I don't have a lot of energy left. But... Okay. Uh, Alright, one last point and then we'll call it. Alright. So Complete tangent or is it going to be related? Complete. Complete. Completely unrelated. Just and... change of topic. <laughs> Alright, go. we're, we're going. <laughs> um, so I always see people talking about how college debts, not being able to file bankruptcy on college debts is just like corrupt and it's the banks just like fucking people over. Hmm. And I never see anyone... To this day, I've never seen anyone make what I feel like should just be the obvious point. That, like, if you let people go through school and just know that the money is just going to go to bankruptcy anyways, it's like, then they're just going to rack up as much debt as they want. Yeah. They're just going to, like, live, not only live, but live comfortably on the bank's dime. And then one day they're going to graduate and they're going to file for bankruptcy. And then, so like, what do you do? Do you tell them you can't file for bankruptcy for 10 years? Then they wait 10 years and then they file for bankruptcy. They just ignore their debt. Hmm. So they, people will just accumulate massive debts with no intention of ever paying them and just filing bankruptcy. And then the bank's just going to stop offering student loans because they're going to lose so much money on them. It's just going to be a huge loss of money. Do you think that many people would file for bankruptcy? I think... Or do you think, like, maybe maybe what we need then is just, be- like, bigger ramifications for filing for bankruptcy? Like, well, yeah. I guess the ramifications are already pretty What huge. are they when they're knowledge? Like, if you went to medical school or law school, they'll take away your license. 
They can repossess your medical license, your law license. What if you did, like, computer science? They'll take away your computer. <laughs> like, you walk in, it's like, technically, I don't have a degree, but, you know? What yeah. if it's someone that's like, yeah, okay, maybe I'll never be able to buy a house, but I'll get, like, 300000 free dollars. And I'll... It's pretty exploitable, yeah. Yeah, like, I think it would lose enough money at the banks to stop offering. I mean, I, th- I feel like you can almost just make the same point about bankruptcy in general, though. No, because there's things to take. Oh, yeah, true. Like, they'll foreclose your house. Yeah. They'll take all your shit. Yeah. Like, they'll come through and they will take everything they can take from you. And it's like, yeah, we'll call your debts even, but we're taking everything from you. Yeah. And it's like, what are you going to do? Like, you're a college student that has no property. You own nothing. You yeah. have knowledge that you I guess they could. For. I guess they could take your family's stuff. No, they can't. They can't no. in this system. <laughs> but if we if we wanted to keep college tuition bankruptable, mm-hmm. then you you'd need, need a worse. You need you need like a cosigner on the loan who would take the debt from you or something maybe. Were you to file for bankruptcy, something like that might maybe. But yeah, I mean it's it's obvious that like if you're allowed to just go bankrupt, then you're yeah. incentivized to just do it like anyone who's supposed to pay back but this is just because student loans are too expensive anyway yeah like college mm. is way too expensive oh yeah college is way too expensive but it's just like the point about student loans always b- gets made and it's like too many people i think would file for bankruptcy on their student loans mm. and i think it would become a th- it would take a couple broken windows it would take a couple people to like publicly and famously do it but after people were like oh yeah i filed for bankruptcy the day i graduated it's so like my entire thing was free. Like people are going to exploit that. Yeah. And especially all the people that support free education are going to be like, well, we're going to do it just to spite you. Yeah. It's like it would become this whole thing and it would probably cause a large scale collapse of universities because banks would stop offering student loans. Their tuition, their their attendance would drop. They have to fire everyone. Tuition rates would go down. They would. Yeah. Because the universities would start being more like colleges. So yeah, wait, wait, wait. If we allow people to file bankruptcy on, on college debts, yeah, tuition rates end up going down, and yeah. so people have to take out fewer student loans, and so fewer people end up declaring bankruptcy. So like less people are in debt, the college is cheaper. Hmm. Yeah, maybe it's better just to let the chaos ensue on the banking system. Maybe. Yeah, just say fuck the banks and, and the and it. the schools because like it's well, all just is a big corrupt also, fucking. Andrew Yang's idea on the topic is pretty good. What's his what's uh, his idea? Basically, he was just like, we should have a stimulus to help people file bankruptcy on their student loans. Um, and it's like 10% of your salary for 10 years. And we'll take the rest of the debt off your back. It's like 10 for 10. And then we'll treat it as a stimulus. Rather than giving the money to the banking, we'll treat it as a stimulus for the people. Because like our people are crippled by debt. And it's like, that's a, that's a good point. So they'll take 10% of your salary? For 10 years. For 10 years. And then your debt's gone. Your student loan. So it's like... Because he's like retroactively trying to deal with the problem. Yeah. The problem that ensued because I'm sure the bank said like we're not going to offer student loans that are bankruptable. I'm sure the bank sat down in a boardroom and said no. Like you want us to offer bankruptcy on student loans we're not going to offer them. Yeah. Like I'm sure like even if that isn't the correct point it's definitely the reason it's the point no bank will budge on. Mm-hmm. It's the point no bank is willing to risk in doling out millions and millions and millions well they'd go bankrupt yeah and then they'd need stimulus from the government yeah so it's like well they might not go bankrupt i don't know if student loans can bankrupt the 
It took a real estate crash to bankrupt the banks. True. In the states. I don't. I don't know if student loans could bankrupt them, but it would hurt them. Yeah. It would hurt. So yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, you can't file bankruptcy on student loans because the banks would stop offering them. So if you think student loans are good, then you have to acknowledge that they can't have bankruptcy. And if you think they're bad, then just... I mean, yeah, you could just let people file bankruptcy, let the government take the debts off their hands, and then, like, make tuition go down, because banks won't offer loans. Yeah. That'd probably be good. I mean, I think fewer student loans would be a better time. Oh, yeah. And, like, I think tuition prices need to go down, but they need to go down in a way that actually is due to... I just think the university system's pretty shit. Yeah, I mean, Mostly, education in general is pretty behind the times. Uh, like, I have an opinion on education reform for maybe next episode. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a little too long to get into at this what point. Does it, what does it involve? Uh, Project-driven learning. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Like, basically, like, the... Uh, yeah, no more curriculum, in a sense. Yeah, no, I mean, you can't. You can't have a curriculum when when information is changing at the rate that it's changing. Yeah. So I, I have. This is the thing with this is the problem with universities is that like you're learning from people who learned things that were valid in the past. Mm-hmm. Who you know, a lot of them are still learning. Most of them probably still are, honestly, like professors and stuff. But once you have tenure, it's like you're no longer incentivized to really keep up with your field. Mm-hmm. And the fields are changing more rapidly than any person can keep track of so it's like how are we going to have a curriculum that's standardized that is trying to stay up to date when it's like every day there's like hundreds of thousands of like you know Mm -hmm. terabytes of data or whatever coming in about stuff it's like well everything's fucking evolving like break for the next episode to hear how Um, how. (laughs) kevin green's got your solutions (laughs) yeah um yeah, we're called there. Yeah, well, let's do it. All right, thanks for watching, everybody. See you guys next time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> <laughs> bom, bom.